I'm going to start by telling you a story about Jack. And I'm sorry that I use so many stories about Jack. I just can't help it. He's so cute. He's four years old. He's my son. And a few weeks ago, uh, Melanie and I were camping with some relatives over at Lynx Lake. And Jack and I woke up in the morning and we decided to hike to the lake. We didn't know how far it was going to be, but we both enjoy a good hike. So we took off and we got about halfway there and there was this sign that the lake was a mile away. So we thought, okay, we can do this. So we got to the lake and we had a great time at the lake and there was this really nice old couple that had this uh, bag of stale rolls that they were throwing to the ducks. So they gave us all this bread and we gorged all these ducks and these people just kept feeding the ducks. And I'm like, Jack, these ducks are going to explode. We need, we need to leave soon before we kill a duck by overeating on bread. So we turn around and we head home and we get about halfway home and Jack is, uh, his little legs are kind of tired and we just woke up and hit the road. And so he asks me if I'll pick him up and carry him. So I do. And as I pick Jack up and got him on my back, piggyback stuff. I realized that there's kind of, there's an art to being carried. There's a way when you're the person being carried about how you kind of, where you put your body weight and how you lean so that the person who's carrying you has an easier job, hopefully. And as I was carrying Jack, I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice when my Christian life is difficult, when I feel like I don't have what it takes to keep following God, if he would just pick me up and carry me. Wouldn't that be really handy? I bet you've maybe felt that way at times. And in fact, I've realized that sometimes we even ask God to lead us, but then it seems like nothing happens. Can any of you relate to that? You ask God to follow you, and maybe for you it was off the heels of last week's message about the Holy Spirit. You said, yeah, I I do want to unleash the Holy Spirit in my life. I I want to be a a Spirit-led believer. I don't want anything holding me back. And so you ask for that, and you say, God, lead me. You know, I want your way in my life. And then nothing changes. (laughs) Nothing happens. And you start to wonder, you know, what's wrong with me? Because I look around and I see other Christians and they talk about, you know, God led me to do this or the Spirit led me to do that or, you know, God, you know, showed me to do this. And, and, but that doesn't happen for me. You know, what, what is it that's wrong with me? Sometimes we ask God to lead us. We step out and it seems like nothing happens and there's this tension. There's this conflict in us that we... We do want to be led by God. We do want to follow God. And yet sometimes we ask for that. We cry out for that. And then nothing really changes. Can any of you relate to that ever in your lives? I know we've probably got some super spiritual people in here who are like, no, every time I ever ask God to lead me, he does. Well, good for you guys. This is for the rest of us today. The times when you ask God to help and then the load doesn't get lighter, the journey doesn't get easier, the path doesn't get brighter, the burden doesn't lift. Well, the good news is we are not the first people to struggle with this. 
In fact, one of the earliest churches in Christian history had this exact same struggle. They were a church a lot like us, but they were a church called the church at Galatia. They lived 2,000 years ago, and they so struggled with trying to go God's direction and trying to be led by God, but being frustrated about it, that God actually wrote them a whole book of the Bible dealing with this. And it's inspired by his spirit, and it's given to us today. And and here's the summary of what God says for frustrated believers, for tired believers in the book of Galatians. If you want to be carried, you have to let go. We'll unpack more of what this means as we get into our text. But for now, just think about this. If you want to be carried, if you really want someone or something to carry you, you have to let go of where you presently are. In Jack's case, he had to let go of my neck. See, you know, when you get someone up on your back, piggyback, sometimes if they're scared that they're going to fall, they choke you, right? So, so I get Jack up there and I'm like, Jack, Jack, let go, right? You're going to strangle your ride home, you know? You're going to kill me. If you want to get carried, you know, you've got to kind of lean into that person. And that's what we talked about last week is leaning into the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, I do acknowledge there's this untapped power source in my life of your spirit. And many of you have begun leaning in this past week, but maybe the reason after you've leaned in and nothing has happened is that there are some things that need to be let go of. Scripture talks about this a number of times, and so I'm going to show you a couple examples before we get into our main text today. Here's our first lesson in the art of being carried. Sometimes we are choking the very Holy Spirit who wants to lead us. He wants to empower us. He wants to carry us. We, we learned about those things last week. And, and sometimes we're leaning into him and we're saying, hey, carry me. <laughs> and we're choking him. Scripture talks about this in Ephesians 4, verse 30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Did you know when you're a follower of Christ, when you have that moment before God where you say, God, I realize I cannot earn my way to heaven. I realize I'm a sinner, but Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. That moment where you get on your knees physically or in your heart before God and you say, God, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. Will you save me? If you haven't had that moment yet, you can have it today. The moment you have that that uh, decision in your heart, scripture says that you are adopted into the family of God, says that the chains of sin on your life are broken. And from that moment on, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually lives inside you. But did you know that me and you, we can grieve the Holy Spirit? In fact, in the context here in Ephesians 4 verse 30, it's talking about our words, It's talking about believers who we use our words not to build up other Christians, but to cut them down and to tear them down. It's talking about the the church lobby conversation where you say, hey, good to see you. And then you get in your car and say, can you believe da, 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 right? When we use our words to cut down other believers, scripture says that we're choking, we're quenching, we're grieving the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Here's another example in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. God says this one really directly. He just says, do not put out the Spirit's 
fire. Again, if you're a follower of Christ, if you've professed your faith in Christ, there's a little fire inside of you. And hopefully today it's going to become a bigger fire inside of you. But there's a little fire inside of you. And scripture makes it really clear. You can either put that fire out with the choices you make and the decisions in your heart that you make. Or elsewhere, scripture says you can fan it into flame. I don't know if any of you have a little fire pit in your backyard. We've got a, a black metal fire pit. And sometimes when we have buddies over, we'll, we'll go around the yard and pick up old branches that have fallen down. We'll put them in the fire pit. We'll start a fire and we'll roast marshmallows and we'll make s'mores. And the fire department, uh, they have a little station near our house. And they like us to call and say, hey, we're going to make a fire. And then they like us to call afterwards and say, hey, we put it out. And putting it out part is always really fun because it's very dramatic, right? Even if you just have some little orange embers there, even if the fire's very small, if you take a big glass of water and you dump it on there, you get this sizzle and this big cloud of smoke. Why? Because fire and water don't mix. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, God is telling us in love, he's saying, children of God, filled with the gift of my Holy Spirit, be careful that with your lives, you don't douse and put out the fire of my spirit who's in you. Because he was given to you to carry you and to empower you and to lead you. So be careful with your life that you're not dousing, that you're not putting out the spirit's fire. So there you go. I wanted you to have two illustrations. There's more in scripture of scripture clearly saying you have the Holy Spirit in your life as a believer, but if you're not careful, you can unintentionally, not even on purpose, be choking the very spirit who desires to carry you along and to help you follow Christ. So let's get into our text here, Galatians 5, and let's start in verse 16. So I say... Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. If you're a Bible note taker, you can circle live by the Spirit there in verse 16, and next to it you can write verse 21 and verse 25. Because in verse 21, we're told those who live according to the sinful nature, and then in verse 25 again, those who live by the Spirit... But what I'm trying to say is there's two ways of life in this text. You can either live as a believer led by the Spirit, or you can live led by the old sinful nature. So let's keep going in our text here. Let's look at verse 17. For the sinful nature, which, by the way, we all have one, okay? So if you're here and you're a Christian and you're a follower of Christ, you don't need to feel like you're a terrible Christian if you get tempted in your life, okay? If you have temptation in your life toward lust, toward jealousy, toward gossip, toward greed, toward bitterness, toward whatever it is that you're tempted toward, you're not a bad Christian. You are a normal Christian, okay? And if you're here and you don't have temptation in your life, you're not a good Christian. You are a lying Christian, okay? We all get tempted. And there's being tempted isn't a sin. You might remember from last week, right after Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit in Mark 1 verse 10, that the Spirit led him into the wilderness, Mark 1 12, to be what? To be tempted for 40 days. So here's Jesus who is sinless, who is spotless, 
who would be the, the perfect lamb of God to take away the sins of the world for all of us who believe in him. Even Jesus was tempted, okay? So don't let the enemy make you think, oh, because you're tempted, you're such a terrible Christian. No, because you're tempted, you're a normal Christian, okay? You've got a body, you've got hormones, you've got feelings, you've got all this stuff, okay? It's normal. Don't let the enemy make you think that being tempted is a sin. Question is, what do we do when temptation knocks on our doors? And that's what verse 17 is talking about. The sinful nature, we've all got it. It desires what is contrary or opposite of what the spirit desires. And the spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature. So they're like fire and water, remember? They don't mix. Fire and water don't mix. The spirit and sin in our lives, they don't mix. It's one or the other. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. By the word, this word sin, you know, you don't hear it a lot these days, do you? Sin. I, I really prayed about this text and I prayed about in our series on the Holy Spirit, what's the next text to do? And I prayed for God's lead on that. And you know, as I studied two or three different texts, you know what I realized? They all talk about sin. There's like this, when the Holy Spirit comes up in scripture, it brings up that he and sin are opposed to each other. You can't have the Holy Spirit unleashed in your life and also have sin unleashed in your life. According to scripture, it's one or the other. If you want more on that, you can look at Romans chapter eight, verses one through 15, which is gonna say very similarly to this text, you're either led by sin in your life or you're led by the spirit in your life. So remember, we're talking about what are the things in our lives that we want God to lead us. We even ask him, we say, God, I wanna lean on you. I want you to lead me. But, but might we accidentally, unintentionally be choking him? What are some of those things? Here's the first one. If I wanna be carried, I have to let go of my sinful desires. Again, we're not saying you have to let go of ever being tempted. And we're not saying, Scripture's not saying that you have to be perfect, okay? Because Paul, Peter, every one of the disciples, they messed up even after they lived spirit-filled lives. Last week, we looked at young David, the shepherd boy. The spirit of the Lord came on David and then he defeats Goliath. You know what happens later in David's life? He sees a beautiful woman that he likes and he has an affair with her and then he murders her husband, okay? Being led by the Spirit in one season of your life doesn't mean that you never make a mistake later on in your life. But in the moment, you're never gonna know what it is to be led by the Spirit, to be carried along by the Spirit if you're being led by sin and carried along by sin. Well, let's continue in our text. Let's look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, you know, the law for the church in Galatia was a little different than it is for us. They're not talking about um, the speed limit out on the 89A, not talking about an Arizona revised statute. This is talking about the Jewish or the Hebrew, the Israelite Old Testament law. And part of the reason that the letter of Galatians was written is that you had a whole church of Christians and they got this message of, oh, wow, sure enough, we can't earn our way to God, but there's a free gift of salvation in Jesus. And they accepted that gift. And then they started to mix in some works. 
They started to say, well, now that we've accepted this gift, you know, we really should do these sacrifices and these rituals. And, and the whole purpose of the letter of Galatians is to say, believers, you're frustrated, you're exhausted because you're trying to follow God in your own effort. You took a religion that wasn't about religion. You took a relationship with God and now you're plastering religion onto it and it's getting really heavy and it's starting to implode. And this is the second thing. If we lean into God and we want to be carried by him that we have to let go of is our own self-effort. If I want to be carried, I have to let go of my own self-effort. What comes under self-effort? Well, control. Some of us, we want God to pick us up and carry us as long as he will take us where we want to go. Really being carried by something, you let go. You don't know where you're going to go. You don't know where it's going to lead. And to the church at Galatia, it says, you know, you, you can't be led by the Spirit and have these sinful desires dominating your life. You also can't be led by the Spirit when you're trying to work out your own righteousness by being really good people in your own strength. Well, let's keep going in our text. I just want you guys to see the whole context of God's word here. We're going to start in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. Now, before you guys get mad at me, you need to know that I didn't write this, okay? The Holy Spirit wrote this. Here are, here's what it looks like. That old sin nature that we all have, when he's unleashed, when he's the one calling the shots in our lives, these are the kind of things that are going to show up. First of all, sexual immorality. Again, not temptation. You know, if you are a normal, healthy human being, you're going to be tempted in this area. This is not talking about temptation. This is talking about actually uh, fulfilling those lusts, acting on that temptation outside of a covenant marriage relationship. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry. What's that? That's worshiping anything other than God, looking to a car or a house or a job or a retirement account or a boyfriend to be my security, to be my fulfillment, to be my strength and my purpose in life. Sorcery sounds almost comical, but uh, that's because we're in a kind of post-Christian nation. As you see our nation go further from Christianity, you'll see sorcery start to pop back up again, witchcraft and stuff. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, Dissension, division, envy. What's envy? Envy is I want his wife. I want her house. I want his job. I want his car. I want her kids. Drunkenness. That's just becoming intoxicated with alcohol to where you're not controlling your body anymore. The alcohol is controlling your body. The kind of parties that result from that, other sins like these. I was praying about this this morning. So I was like, you know, Lord, we're, we're a church of grace. We understand that we're saved by grace. We're not here to hit people over the head and make them feel all guilty and shameful, but I want to preach your word. You know what's really crazy is I was praying about this and I thought, can you believe this list was written 2,000 years ago? I mean, when I look at that list, I feel like it was written on the ASU campus this weekend, right? 
I mean, isn't it uncanny? I mean, it's, it's a fact. And maybe you're here and you don't believe in God or anything yet. And that's, you're welcome to be here and just learn with us and criticize me and do whatever you want, okay? But here's something you have to acknowledge, okay? It's a historic fact that this manuscript of Galatians is 1,900 years old. It's a historic fact that this, the way God described human nature 2,000 years ago, is exactly true today. Isn't it funny when we go off in sin how we always think we're being creative or original? You know, I'm going to be a rebel. I'm going to really make my own path and do um, what everybody has been doing for 2,000 years. So the point of this list isn't to beat you over the head. The point of this list is to let the Holy Spirit work in your heart and for you to just have some dialogue with the Holy Spirit and be asking God, it is the reason that I'm not sensing the Holy Spirit in my life that I'm choking you in one of these areas? Because like that cup of water in that little fire in my fire pit in the backyard, sin and the Holy Spirit, they, they, they do not get along. Only one can be controlling and leading your life at any one given time. Well, God says this in verse 21, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what God's word says. Now, God's not saying you need to work your way to salvation by never messing up and never doing this, these things. He says those who live this way. So the, he's not saying if you struggle with these sins, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying if you're done struggling with these sins, if you don't even struggle anymore and these sins own you, then you might want to examine how legitimate that claim to follow Christ was. You might want to examine, did you really mean it when you said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I want to turn from that and follow you. This is not salvation by works, but scripture's full of these warnings that say, if there's no fruit of the new life in your life and your life is full of the old fruit, you might want to take a pause and you might want to really examine your heart and say, God, do I really know you. Well, let's get on to the positive half of our text today. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, here's the thing with all these fruits. You guys know what fruits are, right? You buy them at Safeway or at Fry's or Albertson's. You guys know what a, a fruit is? An apple or a peach or an orange. Fruits come from fruit trees that have fruit tree roots, okay? And it's the same with the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. If we're not careful, we can look at this list and we can say, okay, I'm gonna be more loving. I, I really need to be more patient. I need to be more self-controlled, right? That's not the point of this list. The point of this list isn't for us all to feel guilty about ourselves and say, I really should be more patient. The point of this list is for us to look and realize, wow, if those things are not in my life, it's not that I need to try harder, it's that I need the Holy Spirit. Because only he can produce that fruit. Just like I can't grow an apple on my arm by focusing and concentrating, I can't grow a fruit of the Spirit on my heart by focusing and concentrating. I can only do it by saying, God, I want your Spirit fanned into flame in my life. And in these areas where I've been choking out your spirit by my sin or by my own control or whatever else, I'm letting go. I want to be carried by you. Will you produce these fruits in me? And then what kind of things does he produce? Well, the first one is love. 
This is an unconditional love. This is different from the kind of love that we can work up. Because you see, we can work up love for people who are attractive to us. We can work up love for people who are nice to us. This is a supernatural love for the people who are unattractive, for the people who aren't nice to you, for the people who don't deserve to be loved by you. Joy. Joy is an internal upness when everything around you is down. Joy joy is an, an internal buoying that lifts you up spiritually even though your circumstances don't get better. Even though the kid doesn't start making the right choices or the house doesn't sell or the, you don't get the job, it's joy is something inside you that doesn't depend on your circumstances. And again, we can't work it up on our own, but we can say, God, will you fill me with that fruit of your spirit? God, if there's anywhere where I've been choking your spirit, I'm letting go. I want to be filled with your love, with your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness. He gives the fruit of goodness. Last week, we talked about the fruit of faithfulness. When you know what the right thing is to do, but you can't do it, you can turn to God's spirit and you can say, Holy Spirit, I I need this fruit of faithfulness. I know right now I just need to be a faithful husband, a faithful dad, a faithful wife, a faithful student, but I don't have what it takes. Holy Spirit, will you give me a faithfulness that I don't have in myself? He will do that for you. Gentleness and self-control against these things There is no law. See, self-effort alone, and that's what religion is. Self-effort alone is that you can groom the exterior. You can put on the Christian clothes. You can put on the Christian smile. And on the outside, you can look like a good religious person. But Jesus never taught that way of living. Jesus taught a change that comes from the inside out. And the point of this really black and white, this really contrasting list of our sin nature and the fruits of the Spirit isn't for us to beat ourselves up, but it's for us to realize, wow, maybe, I, maybe I've been choking the Holy Spirit in my life. Because I might have some external things that look pretty peaceful and patient and kind, but when it really gets down to my heart, there's not a lot of that in there. If that's you, join the club. Verse 24, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. In other words, if I really am following Jesus, I'm making a daily effort to say no to that old way of life, To say, Father, because of what Jesus did for me, because of the Holy Spirit living in me, I want to live the new life. I want to be carried along by your Spirit. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, it's a way of life, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever gone on a, a walk with somebody or a run with somebody or gone bicycling with somebody. If you're going for a long time, eventually you get in step together. You know, you're kind of walking the same pace and you're walking in step. If you've danced, if you're not me and you've danced, you know what it is to be in step with somebody. I've never experienced that because I was raised Baptist and I have no idea how to dance and I never will, okay? But if you, if you know how to dance, you know what it is to be in step with someone, okay? 
Verse 25 here is saying, since you live by the Spirit, since the Spirit lives in you, then when you wake up in the morning, get in step with the Spirit. Be carried along by him. Find what he wants to do. Get his rhythm about your life. Get his pace about your life. Are you going to have times where you, you fall out of step into some sin? Absolutely. Then just get back in step. You have times where you fall out of step because you're trying to control the future? Yes, that happens to all of us. Just get back in step, okay? Since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. The art of being carried, here's the simplest that I can put it according to these multiple texts that I looked at. We cannot enjoy the perpetual or the ongoing leading peace and life of God's Spirit. We cannot enjoy that while also enjoying the temporary gratifications of sin. It is loving for me to tell you that you got to pick one or the other. Don't fool yourself. Had someone come to me this last week, a, a brother who I know is living in sin and God still loves him. Yes. But he came to me, he said, the Holy Spirit really led me to tell you this. And I just looked right through it. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit's not leading him to do anything right now. He's being led by his old nature. And hopefully he'll wake up and, and he'll see that, okay? And I'm not being judgy or mean to that guy. That's been me before. But I'm saying it's one or the other in our lives. It's the cup of water or it's the little flame. It can't be both. You can't have both of them at the same time leading you in your life. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what's contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So if you really want to be carried by the spirit, you got to let go of that thing. Or you got to let go of that self-effort, that control, that, okay, God, I'm jumping on. Please lead me to exactly this place. Wait, God, wait, 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 God. That's not where I said we were going, right? We do that sometimes. I want to help you picture this more. And so we've got here a picture of a river, okay? Because uh, I grew up in Michigan where we've got pretty big rivers and lakes. And I don't want to take for granted that any of you Arizonans know what a river actually looks like, okay? <laughs> so, so there's a river there, not a stream, but an actual River, And, you know, growing up in Michigan, it's winter most of the year. So when it's actually nice out, we go out into the mosquitoes and we get out on the water and we canoe or we get these inner tubes and you can get on a river like this and you just, you just sit on the river and the river carries you along. It's really, really fun. We do this for all our class trips in high school. Uh, and, you know, you can even have a cooler full of food and all sorts of stuff. You can put your cooler in there. You can put your dog in your canoe. You can just load that thing up. You get in the river, and the river just carries you along. I've told some of you the story of one of my older brothers who was really athletic. And we had this cabin up in Canada, just across the border from our house. And we'd go up there in uh, the summer. And at the cabin, there's a small river, probably 20 feet across, that goes into this lake. 
and uh, it's a waterfall where it comes down in. So he's standing at the top of the waterfall and he's inching his way across and, and the current of the river, even though it's only like this deep at the right as it goes over, it just catches his legs, just pulls him over and goes like 15 feet down into the puddle or big, big old, what do you call it there? Just like a big old pond at the bottom of this waterfall. And uh, I've told some of you that my hope at that time was that he would not come up because I am a youngest and I, I knew I'd get his bedroom if he didn't come up. But he did. He came up and he was fine. So, but that, that's just like a little bit of the power. That's the power of a river, of a current that just carries you along. And it's so fun if you're canoeing in like a big string of people. Uh, see rivers, here's one of the other reasons we don't like to be in the river. Rivers have all these turns in them. And you can see up ahead and there's a turn and you just don't know what's ahead. We don't really like being in the river with God when we don't know what's around that turn. But in real life, it's really fun because you paddle ahead of your buddies. You get, you get to the turn, you go around the turn, and then you grab on to some trees or some tree limbs on the river bank. And you pull your canoe up and you wait there. And then when they come around the turn, you flip them over. It's the best you know, it's, it's the best. This is what we do in Michigan, okay? So I want you guys to also see a picture of a river bank because I don't want to take for granted that we know what a river bank is, okay? So here's the river bank. And here's my point for showing you the river bank. When you uh, want to get out of the river, you make your way over to the river bank and you start grabbing on to trees, to dead branches, to bushes, and you're able eventually to stop yourself. You grab onto those things and you get out of the current of the river and it can't carry you anymore. And very many of us, God's spirit, we, we can even feel it rushing by in our lives. He wants to take us places. He wants to do things through us. He wants to move us along, but there's things that we're holding on to. Old desires the right to be offended, the right to, you have a legitimate wound in your past, but you're just gonna keep hanging on to that thing and keep being the victim for the rest of your life. And you know what? God loves you. We'll see you in heaven. But he wants you to let go of that thing because he's got a new life for you. He wants to take you into something new. Or you're holding on to that house or you're holding on to that career. You're holding on to that retirement and you're over there on the riverbank and you've got those desires that you just won't let go of and God's moving and he's flowing, but you're on the riverbank. You know, the Greek word for spirit is a word pneuma. It's where we get our word pneumatic, like a pneumatic pump or pneumatology, the study of your lungs. Pneuma means breath. It means the spirit is also pictured in scripture as fire. See, the spirit in scripture, he's never stagnant. He's always moving. He's rushing. He's coursing. He's moving people and nations along in the will of God. But how many of us as believers, we've got this spirit in us and we're over on the riverbank. So here's my question for you. What do you need to let go of? Is it one of those sinful desires? And if it is, know that it's covered by the blood of the lamb. It's forgiven. Don't need to beat yourself up, but you do need to get off the riverbank. You do need to let go of that thing. 
Is it your control? You don't really want to be caught up in the river because you have your own agenda of where you'd like to go and you don't know what's around the turn. Is it self-effort? God's waiting to carry you along, but you're hanging on to something. What are the dead tree branches that you've been clinging to? Savings account, a desire to control a child or a situation, those old old lusts, those old greeds. You can survive an existence on the riverbank if you want. If you want to live out your short time on earth, hanging on to those dead trees at the edge of the water, you can do that. We talked about this last week. There are whistlers and non-whistlers. There are Christians who God loves and who we love and we'll see in heaven and we'll spend eternity with who will never really know what it is to be led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. You can live your life on the riverbank if you want. You don't get to heaven by being a great spirit-led Christian, okay? You get to heaven by trusting in Jesus. And some of us have trusted in Jesus and have been on the riverbank ever since. You can live your life on the riverbank, but you know what you're going to miss out on? You're going to miss out on all those fruits of the Spirit. You're going to miss out on really having them in your life. You're going to miss out on the freedom that it is when you just get caught up and you put your feet up in that inner tube and, and you just go and you don't know where you're going, but you know that God's taking you wherever you're going. If you never let go, you will live life feeling like God's not listening. Feeling like every time you call out to him to lead you, he doesn't respond. wonder where might each of us be choking the Holy Spirit in our life. Here's my final question for you. If I want to be carried by the Holy Spirit, I have to let go of... between you and God. I don't, I don't need to know what it is. But he did send me here today to make sure you know. Because he's got a better life for you than the riverbanks. He's got big plans for you. But there's things you have to let go of if you really want to be caught up in the Spirit and carried along by the Spirit. I want to close by giving you guys some pictures, some stories from our church family of what this looks like when we live this way. What could it look like if we had a church full of believers who were all led by the Spirit in our daily lives? First story is about a guy named Bruce Napier. A lot of you guys know Bruce. Many of you have shaken Bruce's hand on your way in, but you don't even know who he is. Bruce is this really sweet guy. And about a week ago, Bruce and I went to lunch and, and Bruce wanted to talk to me because he's starting this ministry where inmates come out of prison, okay? These are, you know, pretty hardened criminals who've been in prison for a long time. They get out, and Bruce joined this ministry where he meets them, and he takes them to lunch, and he starts to tell them about Jesus. And Bruce and I met, and we were talking about, you know, what, should, what kind of curriculum could he use? What kind of study could he use? And Bruce prayed about it, and he said, you know, John, I think I need to just, I need to be led by the Spirit in this. Well, guess what happened this last week when Bruce met with this inmate who's fresh out of prison? Bruce 
led the guy to the Lord. And the guy's a Christian now. And I was thinking about this afterwards. If we got a phone call, if every one of us in here got a phone call and the ministry said, hey, we've got this ministry. Uh, You're going to go meet one-on-one in a restaurant with an inmate who just got out of prison, uh, just the two of you. Um, Will you do the ministry? How many of us would say, oh yeah, I'm in. Right? Bruce had to let go of some fear. He had to let go of some anxiety. He had to let go of some common sense to follow the Holy Spirit in that specific rapid river that God had for Bruce. Here's another one. Two weeks ago, we've got these prayer partners. When the service ends up front here, we have men and women who are waiting to pray with you. Two weeks ago, one of the prayer partners was standing here and no one was coming up praying, but the prayer partner just kept hearing in her head, go out to the lobby, go out to the lobby, go out to the lobby. And like I would do, or most of us, right? She goes, that's crazy. That can't be God. That's crazy. But then she finally, because no one's coming, goes out to the lobby. And she goes out on this side. And as soon as she walks out there, guess what's right there? A sister in the Lord standing by the wall, just bawling, crying, all by herself. And so this lady, led by the Spirit, out these doors, puts her arms around this sister and starts praying with this sister. You start to see the kind of things that God can start doing through us when we let go of our common sense, when we let go of our fears, when we let go of our plans and our control, and we just say, God, I want to be carried along by your Spirit. There's an elderly couple in our church and things are really tight for them right now financially. And last week, they didn't know where they were going to get funds to get groceries for the rest of the week. And they went out to their mailbox, and they opened their mailbox, and there in their mailbox was a Fry's gift card for $150. And they called Pastor Dan, and Pastor Dan told the staff, and as we're studying this, we realized, you know, who put that there? The Holy Spirit put that there. The Holy Spirit found one of us who actually wasn't choking him and was listening and had time to change our agenda and our plans and obey and put money for food in the mailbox of this elderly couple in our church family. If you want to be carried, you lean in and you let go. The leaning in, we all know what that is. It's simple things like being here on a Sunday, opening your Bible, reading scriptures, getting together with other brothers and sisters. You know what the lean in things are. We all do. The question is, what do you need to let go of in order to start leaning in, in order to start really being led by the Spirit? Would you stand and pray together with me? Father, for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, I, I first want to pray against, Lord, any kind of false guilt, any kind of shame that's not from you. Lord, we all get tempted. We all have struggles, but we all have a choice to make today. And now that I just pray by your power that you will give us the strength to make this choice today. We choose your spirit. We want to fan you into flame, spirit. We want to lean into you. Holy Spirit, will you show us in each one of our lives 
if we've been choking you, where we've been choking you. Is it a specific sin thing? If so, Lord, we know you're the one who's going to give us the strength to defeat that. And we just tell you we don't want that in our lives. We don't want to be choking you, Holy Spirit. We want to fan you into flame. Some people in here, they're, they're just clinging on to that riverbank of control. Clinging on to that riverbank of past hurt and past emotion. And, and you say to them, forget those things that are behind you. It's time to press on in Christ Jesus. It's time to let go of those old wounds. Holy Spirit, will you walk the corridors of our hearts? Will you show us the things, the choices, the attitudes of our heart that have choked you? Whatever those are, Lord, we repent of them. We confess them. We let go of them. We want to be men and women who are controlled by you, who are led by you, who are powered by you, who are carried by you. Will you make us those kind of people individually and as a church? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.